Twice a week, Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay dissect the biggest topics in Black culture, politics, and sports on their show, Higher Learning. They discuss the most important and timely conversations while also frequently inviting guests on the podcast and occasionally debating each other. Check out Higher Learning on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Visible. You know how in every season of The Bachelor, there's the concern that he might pick someone or just let someone go too far who really doesn't deserve it because he's not getting all the information he needs. He doesn't know this woman is the villain of the house. Well, luckily, when it comes to wireless, there's one company that keeps it real and you don't have to worry about that bad surprise at the end. Switch to Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide and get one line wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, every month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. eBay knows that when it comes to jewelry, authenticity is the real gem. When you see the blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, it means your next piece will be carefully inspired by jewelry experts and will always be worth its weight in gold. Whether you're looking to make a statement or build the perfect everyday look, eBay is making sure you get the real deal. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that jaw-dropping piece will always arrive jaw-droppingly real. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I mean, if she wanted to protect him, the only person she protected him from was herself. She spun herself a web, and the only thing she's getting out of is Croatia tomorrow in a middle seat to the Jersey Turnpike with some cheap wine. I'm confused still, but I did speak my truth. It wasn't anything negative toward anybody here. I'm sorry that you all have to deal with this right now. This is just (laughs) Smells like something you won't be smelling tomorrow. Sayonara, biatch. Welcome to Bachelor Party. I'm Juliette Littman. Callie Curry is on vacation today, so I am delighted to introduce my ringer colleague and our Bachelor recapper, Mr. Roger Sherman. Roger, welcome back. It's been a while. How are you? Thanks for having me. This was a great episode. It really was. It was like surprising. It was entertaining. It was dramatic. It literally had it all. I mean... I loved it. What was like your favorite part? We're obviously going to talk about all of it, but like what was like the most exhilarating moment for you? I I don't often get moved to actually laughing out loud when funny things happen on TV. Like normally I just quietly chuckle in my head. But when they brought in the Lady in Red guy to sing Lady in Red for Susie wearing the largest red dress in the history of mankind, I lost it. That was like... I, I could not believe that they got the lady in red guy whose name I had I didn't know before this to come sing Lady in Red. I assume that was just like a random Austrian singing Lady in Red. Was that that guy's song? That is the Lady in Red guy. He oh ha- my god! He, he has a confusingly German name for someone who is not <laughs> yeah. from German. He's he's his name is Chris Deberg. He's from yeah. England <gasps> slash Ireland. Not just a random Austrian guy. The oh song kind of sounds like it's being sung by a German guy, like the the famous song. Like it it has it has vaguely European accents going on in it, but I think yeah. he just he just sings weird. Also, his uh his birth name is Christopher John Davison, so he opted to have a Austrian sounding German sounding stage yeah. name, which is like even more confusing for this. But when he wrote I this song to- in the 1980s, he said, "Someday I will be invited to Austria." <laughs> to be on The Bachelor. And <laughs> Someday that was... I'll be on The Bachelor and I'll need to have this name. Oh my God. I I have to say, when I saw him come in, I was like, oh no, Clayton said there's one more surprise. It's going to be a private concert. And then when it turned out to be him, I was like, just him alone at the piano and them all, it's just the three of them plus whoever is doing production that we can't see in the room. I was just like, this is worst case scenario for the the much hated private concert. I can't think of anything more <laughs> awkward than that exact scenario. It's just so, so horrible. Just just two people and the lady in red guy singing the only song we know of his. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. We're going to come back to Susie. I think we have to start with the trajectory of Sarah because I was stunned. I did not 
see this Sarah arc coming at all. Roger, were there any indications prior to this week that Sarah would have such an unceremonious departure? No, honestly, and she'd been in like the sort of the season preview montages all along that made it yes. kind of seem like she was going to go a long way. We had these little hints that she was going to make it at least to a very beautiful European country. And then she uh, did. Yeah, which, which she did. She made it to two. I mean, Croatia and Vienna, pretty awesome. Good for her. Good for her. The, the indicator for me was in this episode, like, so she was beefing with Mara, the Mara Sarah beef. Very tough to say. And like, it seemed pretty confidently in Sarah's favor. But then Absolutely. at the start of this episode, when they went outside to have their little beef and hash things out, and Mara said, it would behoove you to be less cocky. <laughs> And all the other girls were listening and they were like totally on Mara's side. And I was thrown by that. I wasn't expecting Me too. I also was very confused about how they could hear. I was just like, they're they're very far away. I was like, can they actually hear what's happening? But maybe it was mic'd up. I I don't know. But I I had some real questions about that. But it was clearly tense and dramatic. All of them were in prime listening position, like crouched (laughs) with, with one ear out the window to get that info. It was it was pretty funny. I mean, it seemed genuine too that they all like really don't like her. And then that, that came along. I I don't think they liked Mara either, but I just had no idea that Sarah was so controversial. And then after that Mara Mara Sarah fight, um they there was just a lot, many more indications that Sarah was really div- divisive, or not even divisive, universally disliked. And so I just did not see that coming. It was wild. Normally there are a few more hints that someone in the household is universally unpopular. Mm -hmm. And as she was leaving, she talked about, you know, like, oh, these are some of, I made some great friends in this house. And I was like, hmm, did, are are you sure? (laughs) Are you sure about that, Sarah? Yeah. Does anyone have your number? Like, will you be in the group text afterwards? It's hard, hard to say. It also, I now had to do like a lot of revisionist history and I had to look back on a lot of Sarah moments. And so, when Callie and I talked about Sarah's date with Clayton, we felt bad for her because she had to do like the um, underwear treasure hunt in yeah. Los Angeles. And totally that, unnecessarily that, shirtless moments. So unnecessary. And I still feel bad for her over that. But I, they definitely presented her as like really sweet and Mara as like an unnuanced sort of like, a, like angry, like mad woman essentially. And I just like this puts into focus how intense the editing could be. What were some of the other moments that like struck you as like, oh, I, this is like really manipulated and maybe not what we expected? I, I also think back on that first when, uh, when they did the stand update in Toronto. Oh, yeah. She and, was really mean then, right? Uh, she was really mean. And there was no indication that these two people didn't like each other. And she was really mean to Mara. And then Mara got up there and was equally mean back and then ended with like, and I think called her a desperate bitch at the end. And that seemed like an incident. Normally when you call someone a desperate bitch, it's like a real, it's a real shot fired, but no one really yeah. seemed to be that worked up over. I was kind of know, expecting we, people to be like up in arms about that. Like, oh my God, you got up on stage and called th- this girl a desperate bitch. And then just nobody said anything about it afterwards. Yeah, so that, that that's, a, a, that's a really good point. That That was weird. I was like, I do remember at the time I was like, oh, te- uh, oh, Sarah, I didn't know that she could like be so mean. And I didn't like that they were both focusing on each other's ages so much. I was like, who cares? Like, age is but a number. That's a pretty constant. Every few seasons, we get a probably yeah. every single season, the oldest person and the youngest person have to yell at each other for no particular reason. Totally. And and then and it's back to this episode when they were wrapping up Sarah's one-on-one with Clayton at the very beginning of the episode. She was saying some things that were like pretty mean and sort of like Shanae and Cassidy-esque to the camera where she was, well, she's been like, nice try. You're going to go home. And I believe, thanks to producer Devin, who put this in our outline, Sarah said, it's a bitch-ass move, but it's weak. And I was like, wow, I did not see that coming from Sarah <laughs> once again. She said um, she's going to be headed home in a middle seat to the Jersey Turnpike with a bottle of cheap wine. <laughs> I was really offended on Which behalf were of like, New, Jer- New Jersey. That, that, that was like, three consecutive like she was like she's headed home okay that's not nice to the jersey turnpike first of all insulting the great state of new jersey and the middle seat insult to injury (laughs) and nothing wrong with cheap wine it it gets the job done 
Surely many people who are watching The Bachelor and or listening to this podcast have a soft spot for Franzia in their heart. I certainly do. Four four straight insults and each one of them I was more defensive of of Mara, (laughs) who I I didn't hold particularly strong opinions about. Well, the middle seat thing is like sometimes you just, you know, you don't book early enough in advance. You have to take a middle seat to get the flight that you want. Like, that's really like such a rude thing to say. It's like implying she's like poor or something. And like, that's just a really, really weird, rude comment. The Bachelor's producers didn't care enough about her to pay up on Air Croatia on the way back to New Jersey. <laughs> Did, I mean, I, I like to think that The Bachelor does not put them in the middle seat, but that's between ABC and God. Uh, <laughs> or maybe we can find out, but I bet they don't <laughs> we care. Can find I bet that pretty easily. <laughs> I feel like the second they're voted off, they're just like, all right, good luck. See ya. Unless unless it's close to the end, then what happens if like your final two or something like that? I remember I heard about this from Tyler and from Blake Horstman. They take you on a trip and like you travel because like you're so sad and they want to like make you feel better or something like that. So they t- um, they, any, there's a courtesy trip. Yes. A lot of a lot of reality shows do this. It's almost like a cooling off period. Sometimes it's because they want you to like they don't want it to be apparent that like you got home at a certain time. So like people who go on Survivor pre-merge, they go on a trip. Um, and I think this also happens on the challenge. I think famously Johnny Bananas met his one of his previous girlfriends that way on like their pre, like their exit trip or whatever. And for The Bachelor, if you make it to the final two, I think, but don't get picked. I think you get a trip. So. But Mara was only top nine, I think. So no, no trip straight back to. Probably the lovely Jersey Shore and not specifically the Turnpike, as Sarah suggested. (laughs) And I'm sure she had a great seat and was drinking whatever whatever beverage was available on on Croatia Airlines. I I like how you call it Air Croatia. (laughs) I'm switching. I'm not sure what their national carrier is. I'll I'll look into this later. It's like Air Jordan, but Air Croatia. Um, uh, And then... I'm glad you brought up ninth. So many women went home this week. It, it like felt like the biggest cut down day yet. Like it was kind of it was kind of jarring, but we lost Sarah, Genevieve, Mara, and Eliza, I believe. And Teddy. And Teddy. Oh my God. I forgot about Teddy. Yeah. Jeez, no, we'll come back to that. I, I don't know why that it's sort of like you'd think that this kind of happens every season where when they get to hometowns, there's this huge cut. Like they get rid of the entire middle section of the show who they've kept around for a long time. Like they have these agonizing cut downs from like 18 to 16 early on. And then it gets to the end and it's like, all right, these five people who have been here the entire time are just gone in a second. It, there, it, it, it feels like a little bit of a shock every single year. <laughs> I know, but it's like on the one hand, it's probably easier to get rid of them because mm. they like Clayton knows like it's not going to happen. Like with Genevieve, who will come back to when we get to the to the group date. Very clearly, he's not interested in meeting her family, and like she's just there because of literally a quota. So you know, it probably is easier. But then he didn't seem that broken up about Teddy. Seem it seems like he had to probably give her the rose last week um, after she told him that she was a virgin, but then he he was like, all right, I can't I can't go further with you, so he got rid of her. Yeah, he, they, he didn't seem particularly broken up about really anybody Sarah. who went home yeah. this, this entire of those front when he went from nine to four. So I guess, I, know. I guess for someone who had struggled with some decisions earlier in the season, very prominently, he kind of <laughs> kind of figured out what's going on here and knew who he wanted. I think that's what's so, what was so shocking about Sarah's exit is that Clayton for most of the season has just been like a total dummy and falling for everything. Like the fact that he's, you know, it seems like probably producers made him keep Shanae, but he also seemed to believe her at a certain extent. Like the fact that it took him so long to like wisen up to that. And then he was just like, Sarah, I'm going to be honest with you. It seemed like you were fake crying. Like that was, I didn't know Clayton had that in him. That was honestly like an astonishing moment. His complete lack. And then he was just like, yeah, I just don't believe you over and over again. And he just, he, he really, he really turned it on there. It was just, had no sympathy for her. Do you think she was fake crying by the way? I do. I do. Do you? Yeah. It. I, I'm not really even sure there were any. It It was more that it seemed like she was trying to get to the tears. I don't even think she really made it to the yeah to the actual was, tears. She was speaking in a crying voice, like she was trying. Mm-hmm. She was like without without actually crying. She was like, "This has been really hard for me." Like, 
Like, like she's like catching her breath, like that kind of thing, but not actually crying. And since there weren't any tears and then she like immediately went back to her normal voice when he called her out <laughs> on it, she was like, she just immediately went back. I don't even know how else to say it, but that was like so weird and like concerning behavior to say the least. She said she didn't have any tears left, which is like, I guess it's you need Visine or... It's an Ariana Grande lyric. That's true. No that's true. To cry. It, it, <laughs> Earlier in the season, Shanae like really compliments. She said, I, I was so impressed with my fake crying ability. I didn't have it in her. And honestly, all Bachelor contestants really need to hammer that home before they get on the show. Because you you go in there like Sarah without the fake crying preparation and you get caught out. You get called out by someone who hadn't called anybody out for anything in nine episodes. Shanae was much better at it than Sarah. Like Sarah- She's incredible. She did it twice. Yeah. And it was like sobbing full on both times. <laughs> I wish I wish that uh well I don't wish, but Sarah definitely needed some lessons from her. I, I wonder if they'll become friends after the fact. I could see them like bonding um over like hating Clayton and like hating the other women or something. And and wanting to progress far on the television show The Bachelor yeah, Monday seriously. nights on ABC. While we're on this topic, let's just talk about the group date because this has to be one of my favorite and also most absurd conceits for a date absolutely ever. So the group date this week was Sarah, Teddy, Genevieve, Rachel, and Gabby going on uh, a series of couples therapy, essentially date sessions with a psychoanalyst because Sigmund Freud is from Vienna and therefore Vienna is the home of psychoanalysis. Um, It led to Sarah saying things like, I seriously love therapy. I can't even tell you how much I love therapy. It led to a complete like just sort of like I would call it a meltdown, but it was more like an emotional lockup from Genevieve. It was it was pretty wild. And I have to say, like, I'm from New York City. I'm from the Upper West Side. Therapy is basically a religion. Like every, you know, it's like very hard to if you're not yourself in it, like not know like five people who are like, you know, swear by their therapist. <laughs> Nevertheless, I can't imagine someone going on TV on like a couple's like a couple's therapy day. Like, I love therapy. This is amazing. <laughs> this was so absurd and so appalling and like borderline mean. I was just like, I cannot believe they're making these women do this, especially Genevieve. Yeah. <laughs> it it wasn't really great for any of them for like I I guess when you're in Austria, you have to try and come up with a I'm not sure what do other you? Freud themed date they could have gone with that would have been better than this. It was a little bit uh, there aren't many great options, but yeah, it really wasn't good therapy for anybody. <laughs> it sent a pretty bad message about how therapy works, which is that the therapist will then bring you in front of all your friends and say, one of you is being performative. <laughs> I feel like that's not what therapists are supposed to do is tell everyone what you said and that you were lying. Yeah, it was more like um, a seer than a therapist, essentially. First of all, I didn't see her doing any psychoanalysis. She was just like sort of asking the basic bachelor questions, but she didn't, there was no like discussion really of people's like childhood or parents or like trauma, which is funny because the show traffics in trauma. She was just sort of like being a provocateur. It was super weird. <laughs> uh, we need to look up with the Austrian therapy association and see whether this person is licensed because <laughs> there were some violations of uh, patient client confidentiality Absolutely. On, Absolutely. On um yeah and it, it really like you know it therapy is supposed to be you're just talking to someone who's trying to help you as opposed to like this is a thing which can be won or lost and if you don't do a good job you're going back in the middle seat to america totally whichever part of america you're from I was really glad that Gabby had already talked about her relationship with her mom, which sounds really challenging and sad. Because if this had been like the first forum in which it came up, I would have just been like very, very upset for her that she had to... She was forced into therapy to talk about how her mom was, you know, um, really emotionally limited. So I was glad it wasn't the first time and that Clayton didn't have to rely on this moment for that. But she's just like... I guess they knew there was a lot of issues and it's one of the reasons they had Gabby go on this date. I don't even know. Uh, it was a bad portrayal of therapy, but a really effective date from the turbo, from the point of like narrowing down who is there. Totally. Because it clearly established that Genevieve is not ready to talk to him about, you know, anything related to their relationship and like that they're not a fit. I felt physically uncomfortable for her. Like she seemed physically uncomfortable as well. But I also have to say, 
they kept doing these close shots on Mara during the first rose ceremony at the beginning of the episode, and Genevieve was right behind her, and it resulted in all these close-ups on Genevieve's Genevieve's boobs. So I feel like Mm. all we got from Genevieve this episode was like showing her breasts over and over and over, and then her not being able to like talk through her emotions. So I think it's totally normal if she doesn't actually like Clayton that much, and they haven't gotten any like like true alone time together. But I just feel like this was a not not kind to her in many ways. Yeah, really did not. <laughs> that's a rough way to go out. But yeah, no, I, I honestly, even if I was doing well in a relationship with someone on a show like this, and then you're being asked these weird questions by someone and you're being filmed, it's it's a pretty uncomfortable situation, even if their relationship was doing well. And I know. But nope, time for her to go home. I, I liked it. I liked how he was just like, I can't. Let's just end it here. I, I loved it. And I also, I was happy for Clayton because he... Took care of it quickly. He doesn't like conflicts. We just like nixed this one. He was able to move on. It was it was well handled in my opinion. And she was totally fine with it. Yeah. She was like, yeah, yeah she, I get she it. She agreed. Yeah, she agreed. She'll crush it in, in paradise. I, I feel like maybe she won't find love there. I don't know if she will, but I just feel like she, she'll be like in the mix and just like the recipient of someone's rose for several weeks. And I just feel like she'll, she'll be a permanent fixture at Bachelor Nation. The, the, Bartender, if you're lower third list, he was a bartender. I like your chances. I love that. I'm, in the previous iteration of the show, they would have made up a different job for her. But like, I love it. She's 26 year old bartender living in LA. They're, that's totally normal. There's many of them. That's, that's great stuff. They're a very important part of a thriving metropolis that allows oh my the city God. to function. And absolutely, they pref- it's, it's they're essential workers. They they literally are. I'm I'm not I I'm not BSing at all. No, me neither. I. I, that's one thing I've liked about this season is just like being more honest about who these women are. We were talking beforehand and I've talked about it a lot, how like it's really nice to see nurses getting the opportunity to be on this show, like after everything they've been through with COVID and like just in general, like not making up, like making up jobs for people is like a way of indicating that their actual job isn't like good enough. And it's like kind of like quietly shaming them. And I'm really glad that they're kind of moving away from that because there's, you know, like it, whatever your job is, it's great. If you're employed and you want to be, congrats. I'm just speaking off the top of my head here, but I feel like there have been guys who have been listed as bartenders in the past. Yeah, it's like I, I, it's like super gendered to be like it's not good enough for a woman, but it's like fine for a guy. Yeah, um, I, I I feel like um, Shanae earlier implied that uh, Genevieve was actually an actress. Just like guessing, she saw Bartender well, LA and was like, she must <laughs> be an actress, but. I forgot when Clayton's turned to her and was like, Genevieve, are you an actress? Are you like to me? <laughs> she was oh, like, God. no, no, that's... Genevieve also, like, I feel like she had a pretty good run. E- even though she never got a one-on-one, clearly she was never going to win. She got a lot of screen time who, for someone who never got, like, actual Clayton time. She spoke up. She was the she was a voice of reason there at the end of the Shanae conflict. Yeah, she really was. I can't wait to see uh, Sarah and Clayton have to confront each other at the tell-all because I... Sarah must have been so shocked herself. Like, if we were shocked, she must have been too. And I guess I would have liked, like, I would have liked to have seen more of Sarah, like, having uh, issues with the women in the house because it just seems so out of nowhere when Rachel and Teddy and Gabby were complaining about her. Like, I believe them. And I think those three are, like, all really likable. I, Gabby's fan is clearly the ringer fan favorite. But we, I really like Rachel Gabby too. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you love Gabby? What, like, what are your reasons? Um, just seems to actually be having fun and like no one has ever seemed to have fun in the history of this show <laughs> like, like people She's have with people have smiled people have had a good time uh people have fallen in love having fun like like actually enjoying these moments and trying to make the most of them seems so rare it's true she, that's a good good point she crosses good point. the good hang threshold very easily An- another <laughs> thing that's tough to do on this show um, we're we've all come in support of her, and and we're we're proud to see her in hometowns. I think you she's go, also Gabby. much like you go, Gabby. Much like this episode, she's surprising. Like I I don't I don't know what I was expecting, but it's not like this like goofy fun person that we've seemed to get to know. I'm I'm all for it. I'm I'm <laughs> although I, she she seems to be crying and saying having bad news in the promos, so I, I I'm pr- pretending I haven't seen that. Who knows what happens in the promos, but what a what a hilarious and eventful group date. Thank you, Bachelor. This is a great, great fun. Um, Bad endorsement for therapy. Great endorsement for the Bachelor. 
Yeah, seriously. Um, we kind of talked about Susie, but she, before she wore the lady in red costume, she uh, got to have the quote-unquote pretty woman date, which is absolutely one of my least favorite tropes in all of, all of Bachelor Nation. I mean, this shopping date where the Bachelor allegedly like buys stuff for her and he's like, it's all about you today. And she tries on ton, tons of clothing. That just seems like an awful date, not to mention like paternalistic and weird and like based on the story of a prostitute who finds love. So... And and he's not. I, I hate he's it. not paying for it. He's not paying <laughs> it's, for it. It's like nothing. It's like, like how could you possibly learn anything about her? It's so. It was so uncomfortable. I hated it. Yeah, and <laughs> it's first of all, I don't like the guy taking credit for what's clearly going on ABC's card. Yeah. Um, it's not like he planned any part of this, and it's always giving credit as if he planned it, but. You know, I, it just feels like they're they're clearing the way for Susie here. She got her, um, she got to sort of pull Clayton aside in the last episode and go up to the clock tower, which is like totally something you can't do unless the unless the show wants you to yes, pull them aside absolutely. at that moment. And so they gave her the clothes. They gave her the big red dress. I'm assuming she did it pick that i'm assuming that was given it looked like she got to pick out some things but they definitely gave her the red dress and you know that because they already paid the lady in red guy to show up in the <laughs> castle <laughs> if she could have picked yes. a white or black gown one question i have about that is if they do fittings for everyone because i was wondering like how did that dress fit her so so perfectly and i wondered like do they measure all of the women or was it quickly like, I, I don't know. I just had a, a lot of questions about them. I also, I want, it made me wonder more broadly, like, how do they do like contingency planning for who's going to get what date? Because like, not every woman is the same size. And that dress fit her like a glove. Like, she looked good. So I was, I was confused about that. But anyway, one day we'll I, find out. It just, they, they had to do so much ahead of time to create that illusion of spontaneity. Yes. Um, including flying in the non Austrian singer guy. <laughs> And in the most beautiful palace in the world, probably like it was like they put them in the perfect room. She's wearing the perfect outfit. They had the old timey car. I and I and I feel like when you go on the pretty woman date, you win the show. Yeah. I it always that's happens. a good point. Becca Krufren went on the pretty woman date. So that's a good point. I can't remember the last time they did it because it's been a minute, but I it think does Hannah Ann animal. got it. Yes, she did. You're right. Um, so it shows that they're putting their they they want they're putting their efforts behind you and they they've purchased many fancy clothes for you it's it's a, it's a, it's a sign i think it's a good it's a good point and we've gotten a lot of Susie lately also everyone including me included have been like it's clearly rachel he's so into rachel she got two group dates in a row after a one on one like he loves rachel it's rachel but I don't think that the bachelor producers would let rachel run to the ends like that it sort of would be like letting the um, 23 wins in a row heat, like have an even longer winning streak or like the 73 and nine Warriors win the championship. Like it's too perfect, right? And so the Warriors is probably a better example. So I also know from, we all know from when Colton talked to This American Life that they fuck with you about like the, they being the producers about like who can go on what dates. And so he tried to, and Colton somewhat famously tried to like fuck with them back by lying about his rankings and he made it seem like he was into Hannah G even though he was into Cassie the whole time. And so I just wonder if like this Rachel narrative is a trick or like if the producers were somehow behind it because it was really, really weird that Clayton gave her two group date roses in a row. Like that, I that's like a really usually a really strong indication that that person's going to win but it's been so obvious plus he asked her about hometowns like last week way in advance two weeks out like I want about is it okay if I meet your family essentially is what he said and so I kind of agree with you that like we're we're getting a counter narrative of Susie right now and I feel like it's going to come down to those two that maybe maybe as as we noted there there had to be a lot of uh, prior work put in to get this date put together it had to be done by the producers so maybe Susie is more of or maybe uh rachel is more of clayton's pick and Susie is the one who the producers wanted to go on the pretty woman slash lady and red date theories it's i i like that one i like that a lot because i i also wonder if you know 
how far in advance they plan this stuff. We'll have to, we'll have to find out. If, but if if you get that lady at red date, maybe you're more less of a winner of the show and more of a next bachelorette. Lady in red. Oh, next bachelorette. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Because that's um, something you could easily flash back to. You could be like, remember yeah. when we when we flew Sad in? Sad Susie, like wearing that dress and, and <laughs> the, all that. The world's largest. The train <gasps> was. She when they showed her in the back seat of the fancy car. And there was literally no, it was just like the train made it impossible for her to even sit. It was just filling up the entire seat. I was like, she, they worked I on thought this. She looked, I thought she looked really pretty, but I was just sort of like, this seems like a weird, like Disney fantasy of like her in this dress and not like an actual living man's fantasy. Like, I was yeah, just like, kept... is Clayton like even into this? Like, does he even find this attractive? Like, I, I thought, I think that's also like another weird part of this. It doesn't, seem correlated to reality at all which i know is so shocking for the bachelor yeah living in a castle and they said fairy tale up front yes yes yeah and i was just like does he even care about this red dress probably not but he, i mean it's nice if she looks pretty i suppose i don't I, I, don't, I don't think he cares about krista berg either <laughs> he doesn't either. seem like a big de berg head <laughs> they also just one thing we have to know about this particular pretty woman treatment they really upped the ante by not only going shopping, but then going to like the private fashion gallery where Susie tried on even more dresses that were like really high couture. By any chance, have you seen the Lizzie McGuire movie? Am I going to be allowed back if I say no? I'm it's sorry, okay. I haven't. I'm it's sorry. It's fine because this is the second time this season I've asked that because I also was wondering um, if the women of the show had seen it when Hillary Duff was on. So, first of all, the Lizzie McGuire movie is great. And in it, there's a scene. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I, it I is. had a funny feeling that you were going to have a pro Lizzie McGuire movie take <laughs> after that intro. Well, there's a scene in it where Lizzie McGuire goes to like the exact same thing as Eva Poloshinsky's private fashion gallery. The designer's named Franca DeMoncadatina. And Lizzie McGuire, McGuire makes her really uh, angry. And I was thinking about that the whole time. Like, this is like basically a Lizzie McGuire scene as well. And that's like in, that's like a, you know, happy but like sort of regular American girl in Europe like living the high life and it was like a lot like Lizzie McGuire. Devin, do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Yes, of course. When she tries on the, the igloo dress, the inflatable igloo dress, iconic. Yes. Yeah, so it was like a weird mashup of like a Disney movie and Lizzie McGuire. I'm sure that wasn't a mistake. There's been a lot of Hillary Duff this season. <laughs> anyway, I that it was like just a lot and to quote the great Tasha Adams, it's a lot. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Congrats, Susie. We got our eye on you. I like your theory, Roger. Definitely American girl flies over to Europe and momentarily becomes a princess is like a trope we've hit in a lot of movies, which may or may not have been intended for adult guys like Clayton. <laughs> so I, I, I think you're I think you're on to something too. Um I was a senior in high school when the Lizzie McGuire movie came out. I'm not embarrassed. I probably was too old for it, but great movie. You know, that's all I'll say. Just some great tunes as well. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. All right, it's official. I think I've discovered the ultimate coupling of all time. Like any good relationship, they really balance each other out. One is super sweet and the other, well, they can be a little nutty sometimes. It is, of course, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. So perfect, some would call it true love. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. eBay knows that when it comes to jewelry, authenticity is the real gem. When you see the blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, it means your next piece will be carefully inspired by jewelry experts and will always be worth its weight in gold. Whether you're looking to make a statement or build the perfect everyday look, eBay is making sure you get the real deal. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that jaw-dropping piece will always arrive jaw-droppingly real. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Visible. You know how in every season of The Bachelor, there's the concern that he might pick someone or just let someone go too far who really doesn't deserve it because he's not getting all the information he needs. He doesn't know this woman is the villain of the house. Well, luckily, when it comes to wireless, there's one company that keeps it real and you don't have to worry about that bad surprise at the end. Switch to Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide and get one-line wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. 
Just $25 per month, every month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Other major shock of this episode. Serene, final four. I did not see this coming, but I'm absolutely delighted. Serene seems awesome. And I have to say early in the episode when he like set up the special moment that was like a tribute to her cousin who passed away, I thought that was incredibly sweet. And I was like really happy for her. Um, I just thought this was like, a, I just thought that was a really classy move. And whether or not it was Clayton's idea, it doesn't matter. He obviously was for it. And I don't know, like, I just didn't see this coming, but it's great. So she had talked about capturing fireflies with her cousin and they gave her a little jar Filled with little tiny lights. Yeah. And I just wondered whether they had tried to do it with real fireflies. (laughs) No way. Or got in trouble with PETA or something. (laughs) Had to go with the lights. But it was a really sweet moment that I can barely even make jokes about. I know it was it was really sweet. And I remembered like saying aloud by myself, oh, that's really sweet. Like I that was like a genuinely really nice moment indicated that like someone's paying attention to Serene. Um that was in Croatia, by the way. That was before they even got to Austria. And I, and which makes me wonder, like, do they even have fireflies in Havar? I'm not I, sure they do. I don't know about where fireflies live, what their range is. I kind of assumed they were a worldwide <laughs> phenomenon before this episode. But now I'm thinking they're also not necessarily a winter bug. So it might have been hard sure. for them to harness them and keep, sure. keep them. Yeah. But I assume they probably were just told you can't give her live fireflies. <laughs> Too hard. Um, and then she finally gets the second, she gets second one-on-one. So the first one was in, uh, Galveston where she was forced to wear shoes on the sand, which Callie and I were told is actually like really hard packed sand. So it's fine. But she's kind of gotten like the two worst one-on-ones in which like she doesn't actually do anything. Like she went to the amusement park and then in this one, they just walked around. <laughs> yeah. They saw some, uh, people dancing. So, they very rarely... I noticed this on, on Rachel's date in Houston where they had them show up and there was like random people having a good time. But yeah. when they're in Europe, they always do that. When they're in Europe, yeah, they're the always dancing. walking yeah. around and they happen upon an elderly couple that's been together for 57 years. There's someone on the Bachelor's team who recruits elderly <laughs> European couples to come and look romantic and like dance in a public town square. One of the most like interesting jobs on the money. staff. Yeah, that's, that's got to be the most interesting job on the staff. Like, are, are these professional actors? Do you just go into the town square and look for people who are already dancing to accordion music? But they always find them. And of course, Serene and Clayton walked up and they switched partners and they... I, I couldn't tell. Was it a was it an Austrian waltz? Was it a what were they or was it just like generic accordion music? I'm not a not an expert. Thanks for the the proper pronunciation of waltz versus waltz. waltz. Uh, Thanks, well, Roger. You know, I mean, great job. No, I I appreciate it, man. You're you're a real pro. Um, I don't know what that dance was. I just I was like, Serene deserves more. Serene, give Serene a better date. Like, do something interesting. Here's what got me. So obviously. They gave her the the they gave Susie the big red dress in the castle, and then Serene showed up and she was also in a red dress <laughs> yeah. at, at her palace. And they didn't have anyone to sing for her. They didn't have anyone to sing any dress related songs for her. And I, know, I felt I, bad at that moment because now her red dress is lost in time, which was a perfectly fine red dress that she didn't have brought to her by the Bachelor producers. And then they they made out in front of a paint in front of the Gustav Klimt painting. I didn't hit the pronunciation on that. It's cool. Do you think that um, Clayton is familiar with Gustav Klimt? Well, he said it's one of the most famous paintings in Austria. <laughs> so probably not. <laughs> um, I mean. You know, I'm going to go with no, and that's okay. You don't have to be an art expert, but I just don't feel that um, Clayton is like really up on his uh, European painting. No. Um, <laughs> my favorite was earlier in the season, uh, and I think the second episode, when they did back-to-back dates at the Antiques Place. Oh, and yeah. One of, I one love of the, that. And as they're walking in, one of, the, one of the girls said, oh, maybe he likes antiques <laughs> about Clayton. <laughs> And I was thinking, like, yeah, Clayton sure. has honestly come across, like, as a pretty genuine guy. He, like, they said he was genuine a million times at the beginning. He's actually surprised me. He seems to really care about this and put he thought into things. He seems like things. a good guy. 
doesn't seem like an antiquer. Doesn't no. seem like a Klimt fan. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> what? I gotta definitely say, definitely not. But that's okay. He's just going with it. They they Vienna has good palaces. That yes, is something I learned in this episode. The palaces over there, top notch. The 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 Austrians knew what they were doing with their palaces and they got to use pretty much all of them, I assume. <laughs> like every single date in this episode was in some sort of beautiful palace. I'd love to go to to Vienna. I've never been. Also like I was kind of surprised I didn't do any um, sound of music theme stuff, like a like a yodeling date or like or like some kind of like sound of music tour. I don't know. I, I feel like they, 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 also, they also could. It's true. They chose Freud over <laughs> the great von Trapp family, but they they could have made the Pretty Woman date a Maria von Trapp date, where like he, basically Captain von Trapp like refuses to let her wear crappy clothes. So they could have been like, "This is your von Trapp date." <laughs> I don't know. They um they they also like played some classical music heading in. I, I I'm always thinking about what how they decide to do these things. They didn't really hit the classical music that hard afterwards. I I, I think maybe force the Freud a little bit, but there's not really a little bit. You think? Yeah, think maybe I would say think so. maybe they didn't have to go that way. I'll no I'll, no they could have gone to the mountains. I missed opportunity if you ask me. Um. Serene did something really impressive, which she managed to extract information from Clayton that we haven't heard yet, which is she shared that the only person her her family has met was like her high school boyfriend that she then dated for a long time. And as a result, Clayton shared about how he also like outgrew a relationship essentially and like talked about his ex. And I this whole time I've been wondering like about Clayton's exes. Not that we learned so much, but this is like the most specific he's been, I think, through seven episodes. So shouts to Serene. He... I guess we just weren't privy to this before because it's been like a Rachel or Sarah situation, but he clearly really likes her. This episode, I was like, wow, Serene's like coming on really strong and I'm here for it. She's She seems great. She also got him to open up about having been an ice cream salesman at the, uh, on the, <laughs> on the amusement park date. That was, that was one true. of my... I, I honestly wanted more info there about his 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 life at Six Flags. and, and I, kinda, uh, so I Googled she, it a little bit and like people DM me about it. It seems like he just was, you know, it's kind of like being a cast member at Disneyland, except he's a cast member at Six Flags just selling, selling food. But clearly she is able to unearth these... These yeah. childhood memories from from Clayton. So he so, clearly feels very comfortable with her. Yeah, we were caught off guard just because we haven't that had that many chances to see her do stuff. I like honestly don't remember her doing anything up until that amusement park date. I don't. Same. I don't remember her like introduction or anything. Same, but like so much time has been given to Shanae, and before uh, that, Cassidy. Uh, There's been a lot of Rachel. There's been a lot of Sarah. And so, you know, the Susie and Serene movement seemingly and has seemingly come out of nowhere. And and also I do feel like we've gotten to know Gabby because she's like so many, she's so many good one-liners and like talks to the camera really well. So there wasn't a lot of room for other people. I mean, let's talk about Teddy. Because Teddy went home and I thought that she would have like much bigger storyline just based on her getting the first impression rose. And I I've brought this up so many times, but when I interviewed Jesse Palmer, he was like, keep an eye on Teddy. And Teddy didn't really do anything other than get the first impression rose and talk about not having had sex. So why should I be keeping a, an eye on her, Jesse Palmer? Well, we haven't seen a lot of Jesse lately. I love Jesse. Where do you stand on him? I'm oh, I'm I'm very pro Jesse. I think he's done a good job, but he he hasn't he 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 appears in this episode just in the rose ceremonies. Um in the last episode, Clayton asked him for advice and he got like 20 seconds of advice. And it was great advice. He was just like go to Sarah, make her talk about this. All right, I'll see you later. But yeah, maybe maybe he just wasn't aware of how Teddy was doing. Um, yeah, no, I think I what what is it? The first impression rose doesn't really work out a lot. Well, on the bachelor it doesn't. On the bachelorette it does. It's there's there's that very strange divide there. You I, I if you asked me going into just totally blind, which of the two shows would be better at people seeing someone right off the bat and ending up with that person. I would have said the guys would be better at it. I guess I kind of kind of get that because like they would like want to, you know, for, for lack of a better term, consummate that intuition a little bit more and like make it real. But I guess with the women, like they just get like 
more single single minded. I don't really know why that is. I would have said the guys would just see the hottest person be like point to be like that one right. and then just like end up with them ten weeks later. <laughs> uh but they they always end up somehow deciding against it. Whereas the women are apparently great at assessing character right off the bat and often end up with the person they gave the first impression rose to. Yeah. So, um, a friend of mine, Sarah, mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago that she felt like Teddy was getting the Abigail treatment, which is like first impression rose and then basically nothing. like window dressing. Yeah. And she proved to be totally right. Like there's just wasn't much there with Teddy. He definitely was scared off by her um, sexual history. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I guess there is doubt since I don't know for sure, but I, it seems pretty clear. <laughs> I am glad, though, they didn't go with like a seven episode long virginity storyline, which totally. Uh, which we've seen pretty much every other time they have. Also, they, yeah. And also, it's a, kind of like a credit to Teddy. She's like, I think, just like pretty regular. Like, uh, and the fact that she has or hasn't had sex, like, is, doesn't really define her. And so they weren't really able to turn her into a storyline like that, which I think is a, like speaks well of her. No room for regular people on this show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's so true. <laughs> so we're last with Rachel, Gabby, Susie, and Serene. I mean, Sarah going home in the middle of the group date, I just like, I wish I could have gambled on that. I never, ever would have guessed it based on how this show has been edited up to this episode. But it was kind of a great surprise. I mean, the shock of it was just like really like, shocking and how it does not happen often with The Bachelor. So where where are we headed next week? I'm, I'm excited for it. We haven't had hometowns in a while. We haven't had real hometowns in a while. And hometowns is always one of my favorite episodes because it's, it, it can't really be as pr- they can't put you in the beautiful palace in Austria. They have right. to go into someone's home, and they can't really produce that. Um, and you really see the people. So we've got Gabby in Denver. Gabby in Denver. Denver. Denver bachelor. Uh, a bachelor. Bachelor haven. Hot spot. Yeah. Seriously. Although I wonder if like her family's actually there. Who who knows. Um, Susie is in Virginia Beach. I'm looking forward to that. I, Susie also, by the way, the fact that she's 28, she just looks much younger to me. And I, I guess I like assume she was a little bit younger. Again, age is but a number, but I just was surprised by that. We've done Virginia Beach recently, I think, right? Wasn't um... uh, I? I think Kaylin was from around there. If I recall correctly. Yes, yes, yes. And she was Miss North Carolina, but she was from, yeah, but she was from, <laughs> from Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you have to shop around. Total transformation. You know, Kaylin, you know, by the way, Gabby dated Dean, Kaylin's boyfriend. Yeah. And that hasn't come up at no. all. They, <laughs> sure has just, not. <laughs> they just kept that in the back pocket. And is that is that going to be a thing or not a thing? I think not a thing. I think it's just sort of like, okay, she's dated a bunch of people. But we'll find out. Um, Serene, we got in Oklahoma City. And who's the fourth one? Susie, Serene, Gabby, Rachel, Rachel, and we're Rachel. going to Florida oh, right. to, to, with the, uh, to, to see our flight instructor and right. where she lives. Right, right, right. Claremont, Florida. You know, I was thinking about Rachel. I wonder how they got so lucky to have the person who walked in with the old Bachelor contestant go this far. Like, do they know? Was it a plant? Like, that's such... That is so good for The Bachelor. The fact that like Rachel, the one who came in with the old Bachelor contestant is like still in the mix because it's it's like a talk. Here I am talking about it, you know, and I'm like, wow, good job, everybody. So the Bachelor uh, producers are better at knowing who's going to go far than the guy giving out the first impression rose. Absolutely. Because <laughs> the first impression rose is, did not make it to the final four. She made it to the, she made it past the therapy date. She made it, she was the fifth of, Teddy was the fifth and they needed four. Yeah. Yeah, good. I mean, you know, close but no cigar, Clayton. Um, by the way, I had to look it up, but Claremont, Florida, is near Orlando, so that's where uh, they'll be going for Rachel. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. Also, I guess I'm curious what your predictions are with all the information we now have for who leaves and who makes final. Like, who, I assume someone self eliminates before final two. Who do you think makes it to fantasy suites? Like, who's going home next week? Oh my god! So I, I'm kind of. Coming in, I was thinking because Susie got the treatment this episode that she was going far. But I'm now switching my opinion and thinking that Clayton's not actually that into her. The show just really wants that to be a thing and want it. So I'm I'm knocking her off and keeping 
Gabby, Rachel, and Serene, because he seems legitimately into Rachel and Serene, and Gabby's great, and I want her to succeed and thrive <laughs> in life, so therefore I'm putting her into the final three. I think Gabby's going home next week. I think final three is Rachel, Serene, and Susie. I think Rachel makes it to final two, because we. Di- I, I'm positive we see her crying on the staircase, like face down. Um and I don't know who I think self-exits between Susie and Serene. Maybe maybe Serene, just because I think she seems like kind of better than Clayton. But I don't know. This is just such a big... This episode has been such a big shakeup. I have to reassess all of my predictions and assumptions. Yeah, it really did catch me off guard. And I just love life as someone who would not... Would, would pay not to look at Bachelor spoilers, <laughs> but also who studies the promos for future episodes like frame by frame to see what's going to happen next, but also doesn't want any part of actually knowing. I think this is the ideal life that we've chosen. I think so too. It feels great. Um, Roger, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a blast. Thank you to Devin Manzi for having seen the Lizzie McGuire movie and for producing this episode. I will be back on Thursday with Callie. Got to hear her thoughts on this crazy one. Um, if you are interested in reality TV, check out the reality TV podcast. Not only do we have Johnny Bananas and Tyson Apostle from The Challenge and Survivor, respectively, but we're also recapping Love is Blind over there. Uh, me, Amelia Wedemeyer, and Kevin O'Connor. It's really great fun. So please check it out. Um, thanks again to Roger, and thank you all for listening. I'll be back later this week. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford, or its affiliates. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates.